0: And here we come with what might prove to be more inconvenient enlightenment, Matthew 6.13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Don't test me, Lord, we could easily be saying here. Don't put me to the test where I really have to choose between your will and mine. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, Luke 4, one. Here we're asking the Lord, don't lead me to that place because I'm likely to fall. Here we are admitting our own weakness and propensity to follow our own heart judgments and our own way. And we're asking, (laughs) no, we're pleading, please don't send me or lead me into that place of testing. I'm unable to withstand the onslaught. I know myself. I know what I'm like without you. We desperately need to know his ways with his people at this point. Deuteronomy 82 5 in the NIV. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't swell during those forty years. Know then, in your heart, that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. We need to learn from Israel's history. They knew his works, but not his ways, and he constantly had to discipline them. Just look at the causative factor in that passage. Who caused the hunger and thirst and who was teaching them? If we continue to refuse his correction and rebel against him, if we willfully insist on going or having our own way or remaining in unforgiveness, bitterness and resentment, the Lord may hand us over to the tempter in order that we come to our senses. The Lord tempts no one but he does allow testing for our profit, which may take the form of temptation. When it comes to disciplining his children, Satan is is God's sheepdog. Rarely we may have a Job experience. Job 1, verse 8 and 2, verse 3. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. This passage shows us God himself was the source of Job's problems. He's showing Job off, saying, look at him. He maintains his integrity even in the face of your accusations. You can have him for a time. And then he lays down conditions on what Satan can and cannot do. All the plans of the evil one are contained. They're wrapped up and held in the hand of our friend. He knows exactly what those straying sheep need to bring them back to himself. And he allows in his wisdom what he could easily prevent by his power. In such a way it could be said that he leads us into testing, even temptation. There were two trees in the garden, remember? What we have to settle at the front end is that he is good and therefore everything he allows will ultimately work for our good. Hear what Paul says in Romans 8, 28 and 29 And we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Here's the reason for it, we're being conformed to the image of his son. So here in this place of fellowship and intimacy in prayer, we're asking the Lord not to send us out to be tested before we're fully fit and can stand in the face of whatever the tempter throws against us, because we admit that without him we can do and are absolutely nothing. Keeps you humble, doesn't it? Good place to end today.